Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Well, I am so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're over in the sanctuary. I'm so glad that you're joining online because uh, I've got some really great news to share with you today, and I'm excited to do it because we serve a great God, a God that transforms our lives. Does anyone here need a little transformation in their lives? Anyone kind of feeling that, sensing that, that we continually need God to reshape us and remake us and and restore us and heal us and forgive us and change us and empower us and give us hope? Church, we come to a God today that sits enthroned in the heavens, that is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, and He has given us His very presence, His Spirit living in us. To be spiritually alive, relationally connected, missionally engaged, this is why we are here, church. To live out the life that God has created us to live transformed lives, and we're focusing on what, it, what does it mean to be spiritually alive. That's our focus this month, particularly what does it look like to have the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and I want to I help, I, I, I hope, really correct, if you will, some misconceptions that are out there uh, as we make our way through this material, this journey, if you will, that uh, Francis Chan has laid out for us in his book, Forgotten God. And I want to encourage you, we're, we're in week three of this seven-week journey, to uh, get a copy of this book, study this on your own, uh, and jump into a Sunday school class or a small group that is studying this material. We got to keep working this out. Because there is so much that uh, I can't even begin to tap into in a Sunday morning sermon. So uh, our, our theme this morning is, uh, is Theology of the Holy Spirit 101. Theology of the Holy Spirit 101. Entry level freshman kind of stuff. I love the old story that I've heard of, of uh, legendary coach Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers back in the 60s when they were the powerhouse. They won world championships and Super Bowls. I think they won the first couple. But uh, the story goes that uh, even after one of Vince Lombardi's teams would win the Super Bowl in, say, January... They would gather back together after six months break. They'd gather back together in July. And uh, evidently, the story is that Vince Lombardi with these world champions, you know, world champions, Bart Starr and the list goes on, he would get in front of these, these guys, these world championship football players, and he would begin every season with the same line. He'd ask one of the guys to toss him a football. And they'd toss one up to him, and he'd be in, in front of, the, of his team, and he'd say, gentlemen... This is a football. Is it sinking in at all? You know what he was doing? 101, baby. 
You may have been world champion six months ago, but gentlemen, this is a football. And we're going to start with the basics. I'm not going to lay out for you today, Vince Lombardi would say, uh, you know, a whole new playbook with the West Coast offense. We're not going to introduce the spread offense. We're not going to get, gentlemen, this is a football. And that's what we're looking at today is uh, theology of the Holy Spirit 101. Francis Chan says, what you believe absolutely determines how you act. So while good theology at its best can lead us to live godly lives, bad theology will always point us in the wrong direction. When we study the Holy Spirit, bad theology can lead us to ineffective lives or worse, lives spent striving after what the Spirit of God opposes. Wow. What you believe absolutely determines how you act. I was talking to someone yesterday, a couple that about two months ago were out in Yosemite National Park and they kind of got off the beaten track. They were trying to find a particular part of the, uh, of the, the, the park that was not uh, typical and they got on a path and guess what they saw right in the middle of that path? A bear, that's right. There is a big bear right in front of him. What happens then, right? You go through, okay, do I act big and growl? That's a major risk, isn't it? I mean, you know, put yourself, that's a risk. Or do I back away? Well, they chose that, and fortunately the bear meandered off the path, and they made a beeline through there. But what did they believe about that bear? What did they believe? That that bear could eat them for lunch yesterday, right? And did that belief affect the way they acted? It changed their heart rate. It changed everything about that moment. What we believe absolutely determines how you act. And bad theology will always point us in the wrong direction. Let me use uh, a simple metaphor. I love metaphors, illustrations. Here we are, and let's say I want to tell you to go 13.6 miles over to Fort Loudon, just right on Route 30, due west of here. No problem, right? Just head on 30. But let's say you get out and uh, you kind of forget a little bit and you want, oh, I don't know, and you get on 416 and down you go and you end up in Mercersburg. No big deal, right? You're only five miles, 5.6 miles. I love maps. 5.6 miles away. You can correct it in seven minutes, whatever, you know. Not a problem. Just a simple little wrong turn right here between here and Fort Loudon. But if you kept going the wrong way, uh, you're going to end up Mm-hmm. In El Paso, Texas. I eat, you know. You, you think you know you may yeah, that's a big difference. <laughs> what does that illustrate? That illustrates that when we get off just a little bit, when we get off just a little bit on what we think. It can lead us in completely the wrong direction. What we believe about the Holy Spirit matters. 
It matters. As Francis Chan said, I'll put it up again. When we study the Holy Spirit, bad theology can lead to ineffective lives or worse yet, lives spent striving after what the Spirit of God opposes. Let me show you a brief video that illustrates, I think, very well kind of where a lot of people are at with respect to what they believe about the Holy Spirit. You were there all along. I remember hearing about the idea of you in quaint stories and comforting sweet songs. But they never could or would paint a vivid or clear picture of you. Only left as imagery to my young naive mind. Through the years I believed you to be something, someone methodical or a fantasy that never could be mine. Confusion and distortion that took root from misunderstanding Yet when I quieted the noise of opinions and interpretations, you made yourself known in the quietest and simplest of ways. Like the sun that rises and sets every day, you were there all along. Yep. The question I have to ask now is did I have the eyes to see what was in front of me? Did I possess the ears to hear, the mind to understand, or the heart to truly believe that you were present all this time? Finding myself in a sense of longing for a connection, a real and intimate relationship. But I know to do so, step one is to surrender, yeah. to let go of these fears and misconceptions, to begin to see and believe the Holy Spirit to be more than a what, but also a who and a why. To experience you firsthand, I've come to relate the Holy Spirit like the wind, so unpredictable, often going unnoticed and unappreciated. But like a refreshing breeze, you breathe necessary life into me. Right. As a part of a vital entity of the Trinity, you are the personalized movement of intimacy of God for me. No longer viewed as a mystery, but a gift not to be taken for granted or lightly. I will not and cannot take advantage because now I realize it's true. You were here all along. That's right. That's right. I love this quote. The question I have to ask now is, do I have the eyes to see what is right in front of me? Do I possess the ears to hear, the mind to understand, and the heart to truly believe that you, God, are present all the time? I don't have to run the West Coast offense. I don't have to try to do something. He is here all, finish the sentence. <laughs> The time. He is here all the time. God, I long for a connection, a real and intimate relationship, but I know that step one is to surrender, to let go of these fears and misconceptions, to begin to see and believe that the Holy Spirit is more than a what, but also a who and a why. Church, the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. A gift to us. Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 2. Let's go right back to the, to the root of it. This is, this is between here and Fort Loudon. I mean, this is right when it starts. The day of Pentecost. 
120 of them gathered together in fear in the upper room. I've been to what they believe is the upper room. It's in the old city of David. It would fit about 120 people all gathered in there tightly and they were scared. But suddenly a sound. Now I want you to notice here, these are similes. These are metaphors, if you will. Because this is Luke who wasn't there. He lived 1,500 miles away. He was hearing about some of this from, from John, hearing about some of this from Peter, from Paul, who wasn't there either. So he's writing for us this language of trying to describe what happened. Suddenly, like a sound, like simile, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw, here you go, what seemed to be, wasn't exactly, but it, it, it kind of sounded, had the appearance of tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. This is not a prayer language. This isn't, to use a word, gibberish. This isn't words that had no meaning. These were actual languages. We'll see in a minute why. As the Spirit enabled them. This was a unique situation. There were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, there was, it was a remarkable event that gathered a crowd outside. These 120 people, now filled with the Spirit, would have poured out into the streets. A crowd has now begun to gather. People are saying, what in the world just happened? I was in San Francisco a number of years ago, 1987, when an earthquake occurred right during the World Series. I don't know if you remember that, if you were alive back then, but it, it, there was this earthquake and I was in a hotel and, and guess what? People got out of the buildings and they just started gathering out in the streets. And you know what their question was? Oh my goodness, what just happened? You know, that was, whoa, what was that? Well, that's what's going on here. People are gathering now out in the streets, and it just so happens that they're from all over the world. Because when they heard this sound, they came together in bewilderment because each one had heard was now hearing in their own language the words being spoken. They're like, what? Utterly amazed. They said, aren't these all Galileans? How is it that each of us is hearing in our own native language? You know what's going on here? Evangelism. God is now putting the capacity to speak known languages in the minds and hearts and, and tongues of the early disciples. Unique event. I've, I've charted this on a map. I, I love this. The, the list makes no sense unless you really realize that Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, Pontus, Asians, Phrygians, Pamphylians, Egyptians, Africans, Libyans, Cyrenians, both Jews, converts, Cretans, and Arabs. You put that on a map and guess what? It is every direction near and far. Wow. To the ends of the earth into Africa, out to Rome, down into, out into Asia, India. Amazing. They're all there, hearing in their own tongue, amazed and perplexed. They said to one another, what does this mean? 
Some, however, as happens, always critics in the crowd, right? Put a spin on it. Nope, they're drunk. They're drunk. Peter, after hearing that, who less than two months had denied Jesus, stands up with the eleven, raises his voice, and addresses the crowd, which by now is growing to considerable numbers, because we see at the end of this chapter, 3,000 came to faith that day. So this is a crowd. This is thousands and thousands of people that are now coming together in the streets near what I believe was probably the upper room. He says, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain, listen carefully. These people are not drunk. It's nine in the morning. Get a clue. No, this is what was spoken of by Joel. And he began remembering, being empowered by the Spirit of God to proclaim Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. My young men will see dreams. My old men will have visions. The Spirit of God will fall on them. They will prophesy. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. He's saying, listen to me. This is what's happening right now. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All of this was evangelism. This was to point to who? Jesus. Everything happening here. This isn't the West Coast offense. This is a football. It's Jesus. And he goes on in verses 28 down to 36 to give the basics of the gospel. Jesus lived a holy life, crucified on a cross, rose again, buried in a grave. Oh, and by the way, it's really interesting because he says there in verse, I think, 30, uh, 29, he says, I'm going to tell you right now, he uses an illustration right in the middle of his sermon. An illustration that if you, don't, if you haven't been to probably where the upper room was in the old city of David, you wouldn't realize that the tomb of David is right around the corner from the upper room. David's tomb. And he pointed right around the corner. He said, you know that tomb right around the corner? David's tomb? Guess what? He's still in it. He's still in it. He wasn't the Messiah. I'm telling you about Jesus. He's out of the tomb. We've seen him. He's alive. And he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said, what are we supposed to do? Peter then replies. Here you go. This is the straight shot. This is what we've got to see. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? This isn't the West Coast offense. You don't have to Try something funky or, or get into a certain mood or do this. or do, What does it say? Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Your sins will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, who's it for? The elite? You, us, you who are here right now. And thanks be to God, even in that moment, the Holy Spirit was giving Peter the capacity to look 2,000 years in the future and look right at you. 
This promise is for you and all who are far off, all on whom the Lord our God will call. You want to know the basics of this? You want to know point zero? You want to know where to head? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, period. Period. So I ask you, do you love Jesus? Do you love the Lord your God? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that he paid for your sins? Do you believe that God the Father sent him? Do you believe that Jesus is with the Father right now, that he's coming back again? Do you believe that? Have you confessed that belief? Have you given testimony to that belief? I'll even ask you what the football is. Have you been baptized? Then guess what? You ain't got to do nothing mo' funky. Where'd that come from? I don't know. (laughs) You've got the Spirit. He is right here. Open my eyes, God, to see what's already there. Open my eyes to see what's already there. I find myself longing for a connection, a real and intimate relationship, but I know step one is to surrender, to let go of my fears and my misconceptions. Church, listen to what Francis chances. When I was preaching through this passage, Acts 2, my seven-year-old daughter, Mercy, understood. She came up to me afterwards Uh, And she said, let me see, I'll I'll go ahead and read it from here. She came up to me afterwards, and she said, Dad, I want to repent of my sins and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There you have it. I loved the simplicity and greatness of her faith. She didn't need to debate the finer points of how and when, exactly when the Spirit would come. She just wanted to obey that passage to the best of her ability. I realize mercy doesn't have the biblical knowledge many of us do, but I wonder how many of us has the faith that she has. Wow, I love that. You know, I, I will encourage you again. As Francis Chan digs through Theology of the Holy Spirit 101, he jumps into seven practical truths about who the Spirit is and what He does in our lives, ten promises of God regarding the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to get into all of those right now, but they're really helpful and and, uh, encouraging promises that we have in Christ. But for today, for right now, I want us to understand that Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. I want to ask, what is your need right now? Do you find yourself praying for God to show up or for things to just work out? Are you more filled with fear or with faith? This is really where it hits our lives right now. Every one of us, every one of us are struggling with issues. And the Holy Spirit is with us. We need to open our eyes and walk in faith, believing that the Spirit is with us. I'm going to ask you this question. Are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, 
Keep my commands. I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you, be with you. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the world can't accept Him. It doesn't see Him or know Him, but you know Him for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Church, that's a promise. We have the Spirit of God. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. You know what the Spirit's number one job is, ultimately? It's to point us to Jesus Christ. I love this quote by Dale Bruner. The work of the Holy Spirit is the honoring of Jesus Christ. Whenever a church or a person centers thoughtfully on honoring the person, teaching, and work of Jesus, there we may be quite sure we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit's work is the honoring of Jesus Christ. We have gathered today to honor Jesus Christ. And the Spirit is with us. I want to invite you to bow your heads and your hearts right now. Jesus, we pray in your name. We come before you, holy God, our Father in heaven. We thank you, God, that from you is poured out into our lives and into our hearts the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, our comforter, our advocate, our helper. Holy Spirit of God, may we see you and recognize you May we understand today, Lord God, that we don't have to go searching for some special experience. We just simply need to open our heart to your work, walking in faith, trusting you, knowing, God, that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, there we find the Spirit. Lord Jesus, even right now, we're going to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We're going to partake in the very thing that you've commanded us to do, and that is to take the bread and the cup and remember you. This time of of communion, of Eucharist, where your body, your blood, is, is, is shed in a fresh way in our hearts, even right now. Lord, we want to commune with you, Jesus. We want to commune with you. We thank you that this is an open table, that all who come must confess faith. Just putting our eyes on you, Jesus. This isn't a ritual. We're not earning anything. We're receiving by faith the gifts that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you in your name. Amen. This is an open table. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.